is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin here, our number 877-381-3811, Well, let's talk about a few things. There's a lot to get to. There's a lot I really want to get to, but let's start with this. You know, uh, the media keep reporting on the media. Have you noticed that? The media keep reporting about themselves. And CNN keeps reporting about Fox and Hannity. And the media keep talking about how the media feel like the media are under attack. You know, uh, the media, generally speaking, there are exceptions, but there are exceptions to everything. The media, generally speaking, they're commentators. They trash Trump supporters. Before that, they trash the Tea Party. They trash politicians, other types of public officials, intellectuals, and so forth, who are supported by conservatives. They trash Sarah Palin. They trash Clarence Thomas. They trash Robert Bork. They trash Ronald Reagan. So there's a a terrible pattern of this over the last half century, and it's only intensified. It's intensified right before, during, and after the election of Donald Trump. Now, it's fairly routine for media personalities, and that's what they've become. Jim Acosta is not a reporter. He's a media personality now. But they accuse the millions and millions of people who voted for Donald Trump as being cultists, Nazis, toothless, deranged, deplorables, racists, and on and on and on. They do this constantly and repeatedly. The media, again, there are exceptions, but as a rule now, the media have abandoned a pretense of seeking objectivity for ideological activism, progressivism, while insisting to represent a free press and indeed defend it. They're devouring what they self-servingly claim to defend. And the effort is so ubiquitous. And the drumbeat daily that the bastardization of the entire enterprise is obvious because you can't miss it if you watch TV or if you read newspapers or the equivalent websites. The media are not promoting freedom They're not promoting constitutionalism, capitalism, Americanism generally. They're promoting status progressivism and their political and intellectual advocates. And we're noticing. The Tampa audience the other day wasn't violent. It wasn't like Antifa or Black Lives Matter. 
They weren't attacking police officers or security officials. They didn't jump the uh, guardrail. They didn't throw anything. They weren't hitting anybody with socks filled with coins or rocks. They weren't um, shooting mace in the face of anybody. Before they got there, the people weren't trained in um, paramilitary tactics like Antifa. They were loud. They were very critical of the media. They were exercising their free speech rights. Now, if the media want to be treated with respect as a profession, as a crucial part of the American culture, society, fabric, then they should treat the American people with respect. This isn't even about Donald Trump. Donald Trump fights back. He's their latest target. This is about the media and the disrespect they show tens of millions of Americans. I'll give you an example. Jake Tapper has no connection whatsoever with a Midwest farmer. He doesn't even know what they go through. He doesn't know what they think. Don Lemon has no connection whatsoever with a rancher on the southern border who has to deal with illegal immigration and the crime and the rest that comes with it, and he doesn't care to. These are people who live, breathe, socialize, party, and work in very narrow areas of the country. Mostly the East Coast, mostly the West Coast, and a few spots in between. So with the nationalization and even internationalization of media corporations, what you get is a very myopic view. And that myopic view happens to be a view that supports the status progressive agenda. And it's incestuous. It's like college and university campuses where the deans and the senior faculty hire people who come from the same universities or have the same mindset as they do to promote their groupthink. It is dangerous for a conservative on our college campuses. It is not dangerous for a leftist of any sort on our college campuses. It is dangerous to be an outspoken Trump supporter when you are surrounded by a mob, as in San Jose, as in Chicago, as on the Hollywood Walk of Stars, as in scores of other places. It is dangerous to be the third-ranking Republican in the House of Representatives, to be playing baseball on a public field in Alexandria, Virginia. Very dangerous. The media in this country are under no threat. There may be a kook out there. I've got threats all the time. There may be a kook out there. But the violence of the 1960s, as an example, was the anti-war violence. Bill Ayers, Bernadine Dorn, very violent. And, of course, they were friends of Barack Obama. The violence that occurs today is almost exclusively of the left. Oh, the Klan and the neo-Nazis, yes, but they have no place within the Republican Party. 
Matter of fact, the Klan was born of the Democrat Party, wasn't it? The problem is that the media will not address its own unprofessionalism. The media will not police itself. We're not talking about censorship. We're talking about having serious, professional, qualified individuals presenting the news. I'm not talking about opinion makers and that sort of thing. I'm talking about news. And what I'm seeing more and more is very, very young people who are brought in by these networks who have no, no uh, serious understanding of what their role is. They all think everything's Watergate, and they all think they're Woodward and Bernstein. Well, we know Bernstein is a fake, and Woodward's not far behind. They were just fed information from the deputy director of the FBI, Mark Felt, a thoroughly despicable human being, in my humble opinion. President Trump fights back. He has not called the press the enemy. He's called fake news the enemy. But even in this, the fake news wants you to believe he's calling all the news the enemy. I will say this. Fake news, as the president puts it, or the status progressives, as I put it, they're undermining the country. They're undermining the ability of an administration to govern even while we're facing down nukes from North Korea, soon, potentially, Iran, advanced technological warfare from China and Russia, and other threats that face this country. They're making it difficult, very difficult, for this republic to function. That's not what the role of a free press is supposed to be. You know, the media before our founding and during our founding, was very patriotic. Not all, but the vast majority sided with the revolutionaries. The pamphleteers and the handful of newspapers that existed. They were promoting liberty, representative government, limited taxes, commerce and trade, limited government. What do our media promote today? Do they promote Americanism today? No, they don't. They promote the ideology of the left. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Now the media, certain individuals in the media say that somebody's going to get hurt. So why don't they control themselves? become more professional rather than smearing, character assassinating tens of millions of people in this country. Is it the objective of CNN and MSNBC and the New York Times and the Washington Post to play simply to their own subscribers and viewers? Because it clearly appears to be that case. It appears that we have media outlets that play to the base of political parties and more and more appear to be communication divisions of these political parties but they talk about threats you know ladies and gentlemen people are dying every day in our inner cities 
mostly from gang violence. That's a threat. MS-13, that's a threat. Islamic terrorists, that's a threat. Men and women in law enforcement face threats every single day. Men and women in the military face threats every day. Not the media. Not the media. Not real threats. As I say, there can be nuts out there. We know there are nuts out there. Representative Scalise and two others were shot by one. But the media, the media are picking fights with a big chunk of the American people because they reject them. They're not viewers, they're not subscribers, they're not readers of their particular outlets or their publication. And so... To claim that they represent the free press, they don't. They benefit from the free press. Let me repeat that. They don't represent a free press. They benefit from the free press. Nobody's threatening freedom of the press under the First Amendment except the left. When it comes to talk radio, when it comes to a company like Sinclair, when it comes to Fox, nobody's threatening the existence of CNN, nobody's threatening the existence of MSNBC. They threaten themselves with their own behavior. I'll give you a perfect example. Now, this is in the editorial page, but in many of the, of the modern media outlets, it is very difficult to distinguish between the news and editorial content. New York Times defi- defends hiring of editorial writer after emergence of past tweets. So what's this all about? Look at the Hill newspaper. Our buddy Joe Contra who's a real reporter, by the way. The New York Times stood by its decision to hire technology writer Sarah Zhang as an editorial board member despite the emergence of racially insensitive tweets she's posted years ago. She was hired by the Times on Wednesday, but the newspaper soon received strong backlash from social media and some conservative outlets after tweets emerged in which she made racially insensitive comments. Quote, Oh man, it's kind of sick how much joy I get out of being cruel to old white men. Zhang, 49, said in a tweet from 2014 that has since been deleted. Dumb ASS effing white people marking up the internet with their opinions like dogs pissing on fire hydrants, quote unquote. Zhang said in another 2014 tweet, the New York Times is free to hire whomever they want. This apparently is the best they can do. A third tweet posted by her in 2014 said, Are white people genetically predisposed to burn faster in the sun, thus logically being only fit to live underground like groveling goblins? Now, this is a sick woman. This is a racist. Of all the people the New York Times editorial board could hire, they hired her. And by the way, it's like Joy Reid. Not identical type of... uh, Outrageous comments, but outrageous comments nonetheless. She's still at MSNBC, and we all know if this had been a conservative at Fox, they'd be gone. Been a conservative on talk radio, they'd be gone. The Times said in a statement today that it stood by its decision to hire her and had reviewed the writer's social media accounts prior to her hiring while calling the content of the tweets unacceptable. Obviously, they are acceptable. If this had been somebody who said that about Black people, brown people, 
yellow people, Jewish people, you know it'd be over. But you can say it about Caucasians, and that's just the way it is. We hired Sarah Zhang because of the exceptional work she's done covering the Internet and technology at a range of respected publications. The Times added that she, as a young Asian woman, had been the subject of frequent online harassment, and that for a period of time she responded to that harassment by imitating the rhetoric of her harassers. Now, this is what we call BS, an excuse. An excuse. She said, I engaged in what I thought of at the time of counter-trolling, while it was intended as satire. Satire? Is that the new cover-up word? I deeply regret that I mimicked the language of my harassers. Well, we can all mimic the language of our harassers. We can mimic the language of Antifa, Marxism, Black Lives Matter, the Klan, the Nazis, but we don't. But we don't. Now, this is a perfect example Here's the New York Times of a media outlet that is really aimed at providing information to a relative small fraction of the American population and has no respect whatsoever for the rest of it. And then when people object, people are in public, they see one of the reporters, they shout at them, not violently, don't attack them, don't hit them, don't throw anything. Then they resort to the same, I don't believe we're in America. They, they're acting like they're Nazis. With a daily fake news dump pouring through your TV, mobile phones and computers, you may have missed some real news like the recent study in the journal Cell Metabolism. Scientists suspected a correlation between growing rates of obesity and processed foods, but what this study discovered was that these foods also appear to lead people to overeat. Here's the bottom line. You need fresh fruits and vegetables in your diet, which is why I recommend that you start taking Field of Greens by Brickhouse Nutrition. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. It helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. This is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, that's BrickHouseLevin.com, and you'll get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. You know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouseLevin.com, offer code LEVIN. Turn off your radio and open the window. You can probably hear him straight from the studio. Call Mark Levin at 877-381-3811. You know, uh, there's a lot of talk about uh, Donald Trump and his tweet uh, encouraging his attorney general to put an end to the Russia investigation. Which his attorney general has the power to do, by the way. And you have a conga line of Democrats, Sheila Jackson Lee, Dick Durbin, Joaquin Castro, Richard Blumenthal, uh, Democrats dressed up as reporters, Carl Bernstein and others, all saying that this is authoritarianism, this is obstruction, this is close to obstruction. Do you know what they're doing? They are doing several things. Number one, they're sending messages to the special counsel Mueller and his team 
encouraging him to charge the president, either officially or in a report, with obstruction of justice. Number two, they want him to know that he will have their cover, that is the cover of media outlets and Democrats all over the country, if he does it. So while all the talk goes one way, criticizing the president, the fact of the matter is, you really got to focus on this, the Democrat Party and the media have a drumbeat of encouragement, urging the special counsel to charge the president formally or in his report with obstruction. And they're making it clear to him in all these public appearances and pronouncements that they will protect him. That they will protect him. Conversely, if he fails to do that, one or the other, well, you can be sure they will criticize him. So justice isn't blind. While they accuse the President of the United States of obstructing, which is absurd, it is they who are trying to affect the outcome of this investigation. It is they who demanded it in the first place. Let us keep that in mind. So we can talk about this. I also want to get to something else. There is a gentleman, and I mentioned him in Rediscovering Americanism and the Tyranny of Progressivism, my last book. And uh, his name was Isaiah Berlin. Brilliant, brilliant man. He's born in Latvia in 1909. One of six. His family moved to Russia in 1917. Bad timing. To Petrograd. He witnessed the uh, Russian Revolution. The Bolsheviks, 1921, they escaped to England. He was a genius. He was educated at St. Paul's School in London, Corpus Christi College, Oxford. At Oxford, he was a fellow of All Souls, a fellow of New College, professor of social and political theory, founding president of Wolfson College, and it goes on and on and on. This is the man who I've mentioned to you before who developed the model of negative and positive liberty. Unfortunately, the nomenclature really is the opposite of what it says. But negative liberty, you look at the Bill of Rights, that's negative liberty. The government may not do X, Y, Z against the individual. Positive liberty, oddly enough, is the notion that the government acts and through government action you, you think you are free. This is the distinction between constitutional conservatism, negative liberty, and status progressivism, so-called positive liberty. Now, this is important to understand. I understand you're not going to get this from the media. I, I got it. It's okay, but we do this here. Every now and then we dip into scholarship because most probably didn't get this in college or high school you certainly aren't going to get it in the mass media. But I want you to listen to this. I want you to listen to what he says here. And then put it in the context of where this country's heading with so-called democratic socialism, which is nothing more than big government progressivism. The French Revolution, he wrote, like all great revolutions, was at least in its Jacobian form just such an eruption of the desire for positive freedom, of collective self-direction on the part of a large body of Frenchmen 
who felt liberated as a nation, even though the result was, for a good many of them, a severe restriction of individual freedoms. That one sentence tells you pretty much everything you need to know. Pretty much everything you need to know. Freedom for constitutional conservatives is an individual unalienable right. Uh, For the left, freedom can only be realized through the community, through the government. But let's continue. Rousseau, who I wrote about, you're aware of that, had spoken exultantly of the fact that the laws of liberty might uh, prove to be more austere than the yoke of tyranny. Tyranny is service to human masters. The law cannot be a tyrant. Rousseau does not mean by liberty the negative freedom of the individual not to be interfered with within a defined area, like our Bill of Rights, but the possession by all, and not merely by some, of the fully qualified members of a society of a share in the public power, which is entitled to interfere with every aspect of every citizen's life. This is what you call little d democracy and populism. Just stick with me. The liberals of the first half of the 19th century correctly foresaw that liberty in this so-called positive sense could easily destroy too many of the negative liberties, that is, individual liberties, that they held sacred. They pointed out that the sovereignty of the people could easily destroy that of individuals. And by the way, that was the position of the framers of our Constitution and the ratifiers. That this notion of general liberty, of communal liberty or as Berlin says, positive liberty, destroys individual liberty if it goes too far. That is, positive liberty. Government takes positive action. Big government, centralized government, versus the individual acting on his or her own. John Stuart Mill explained patiently and unanswerably That government by the people was not, in this sense, necessarily freedom at all. For those who govern are not necessarily the same people as those who are governed. And democratic self-government is not the government of each by himself, but at best, of each by all the rest. Mill and his disciples spoke of the tyranny of the majority, and of the tyranny of the prevailing opinion unfeeling, and saw no great difference between that and any other kind of tyranny, which encroaches upon men's activities beyond the sacred frontiers of private life. So in other words, let's say the vast majority of the people in the United States support single-payer health care, and the politicians respond. His point is, and the point of others, the point I've made over the years too is, well, that's democracy, right? But it's also tyranny. It's tyranny. Tyranny by vote. It smothers the individual and the individual's options. No one saw the conflict between the two types of liberty better or expressed it more clearly than Benjamin Constant. He pointed out that the transference by a successful rising of unlimited authority, commonly called sovereignty, from one set of hands to another does not increase liberty, but merely shifts the burden of slavery. He reasonably asked why a man should deeply care whether he is crushed by a popular government or by a monarch, or even by a set of oppressive laws. He saw that the main problem for those who desire negative liberty, that is individual liberty, 
Individual freedom is not who wields this authority, but how much authority should be placed in any set of hands. That is why we are a republic, a constitutional republic. That is why you and I revere that and fight for it and argue for it. It is also why these so-called democratic socialists, status progressives, fight against it. Fight against it. And they have an ally and propagandists in our media. For unlimited authority is anybody's grasp was bound, he believes, sooner or later to destroy somebody. He maintained that usually men protested against this or that set of governors as oppressive when the real cause of oppression lay in the mere fact of the accumulation of power itself, whether it might happen to be since liberty was endangered by the mere existence of absolute authority as such. It is not against the arm that one must rail, he wrote, but against the weapon. Some weights are too heavy for the human hand. Democracy may disarm a given oligarchy, a given privileged individual or set of individuals, but it can still crush individuals as mercilessly as any previous ruler. An equal right to oppress or interfere is not equivalent to liberty. This is why I reject populism, ladies and gentlemen. Nor does universal consent to the loss of liberty somehow miraculously preserve it merely by being universal or by being consensual. That is, he's saying people can vote for tyranny or they can vote for people who promote tyranny. That doesn't mean it's not tyranny. If I consent to be oppressed or acquiesce in my condition with detachment or irony, am I less oppressed? If I sell myself into slavery, am I the less of a slave? If I commit suicide, am I less dead because I've taken my own life freely? Popular government is merely a spasmodic tyranny. Monarchy, a more centralized despotism. Constance saw in Rousseau the most dangerous enemy of individual liberty because he had declared that, quote, in giving myself to all, that is to the state, to the community, I give myself to none. Constant could not see why, even though the sovereign is everybody, it should not oppress one of the members of its indivisible self if it so decided. Throughout the 19th century, liberal thinkers maintained that if liberty involved a, limited, a limit upon the powers of any man to force me to do what I did, by the way, liberal back then meant what we are, conservatives, or might not wish to do, then Whatever the ideal in the name of which I was coerced, I was not free. That the doctrine of absolute sovereignty was a tyrannical doctrine in itself. If I wish to preserve my liberty, it is not enough to say that it must not be violated unless someone or other, the absolute ruler or the popular assembly or the king of parliament or the judges or some combination of authorities or the laws themselves authorizes its violation. I must establish a society in which there must be some frontiers of freedom, which nobody should be permitted to cross. And by the way, Alexis de Tocqueville called it the circle of liberty around the individual. Different names or natures may be given to the rules that determine those frontiers. They may be called natural rights, as in our declaration, or the word of God, or natural law, or the demands of utility, or of the permanent interests of man. I may believe them to be valid a priori or assert them to be my own ultimate ends, or the ends of my society or culture. What he's saying there is, look, 
and I will interpret it with respect to our declaration. There must be limits on power against the individual. There must be limits on government. And to simply say we voted, to simply say it's a democracy, to simply say Congress has decided, the courts have decided, doesn't make it any less tyrannical. There must be limits, and I would argue, and those limits are broadly stated in our Declaration of Independence, which is precisely why the progressives have rejected it. The intellectuals in the late 1800s, early 1900s, and up to today of the progressive movement reject the Declaration. What do they embrace? They claim to embrace the philosophy of the people. What do the people want? The middle class. Let's get the 1%. They call it democratic socialism. They want it to go down more easily, you see, intellectually. So they call it democratic socialism. It's tyranny. They're preaching tyranny. They're telling you the only way that you are free is through government. Free health care. It's a right. Free college. It's a right. Free food. It's a right. Free heat during the winter. It's a right. And besides, we can take it from those guys over there. I have a little bit more I want to say about this when we return. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. bit more to say about this, uh, probably at the top of the next hour as we move along, cover many things. Marco Rubio and uh, Ann Wagner, two Republicans, have a proposal out there I want to discuss with you, and they call it uh, the modernizing of Social Security. It's actually quite fascinating, and I want to discuss it with you at some length, uh, because it brings in all these issues and more. Uh, it's sort of the center of the wheel, so we want to get into that. But before we do, you know, uh, I've been spending a lot of time talking about the media. Not the typical way people talk about the media, but I think we've really done a pretty good job here, you and I, of digging very deeply into this from a historical perspective and, of course, up to a modern-day perspective. And the media right now is in a very troubling place. There are outlets, there are places to go where there is more honesty, where there is self-identification about who we are and what we do. And one of those places is Conservative Review TV. And at Conservative Review TV, we don't pretend to be journalists. We're like the old-time pamphleteers. We label ourselves. We're constitutionalists. We believe in individualism. We believe in liberty. We believe in national borders. We believe in a strong defense. We believe in all these things. 20 hosts. But we're all quite different. My buddy Phil Robertson is different than I am. His experiences are different. My buddy Steve Crowder, same thing. Andrew Wilkow. Steve Dace, I could go all down the list. These are wonderful, wonderful people. We don't agree on everything, but we agree on the fundamentals. And if you agree with us on the fundamentals, you agree 
on Americanism. You believe this is a society worth defending and retaining. You believe we're a country in deep trouble. Then you really ought to be a member of CRTV. CRTV. You know, we've mentioned this recently on the show, but right now for a limited time, we're offering all of our listeners a free 30-day trial of CRTV. You can't afford to be, well, just receiving all this other information when there is this wonderful new outlet for you that takes advantage of all the new technologies so it can come right into your home. It can come through your smart TV or your your uh, iPhone, your Android, your iPad, your uh, PC. I mean, I could go on and on and on. There's so many platforms through which you can watch it, and this is what makes it possible. Modern, cutting-edge technology to get around big media. There's no other place you can get the truth unfiltered and uncensored from all our hosts. So here's what I'd like you to do. Give us a call, 844-LEVIN-TV, 844-538-4688. We'll get you all set up within five minutes. It's that easy. Don't let the technology, you know, don't let it concern you. We'll walk you right through it. It's simple. That's 844-LEVIN-TV. And by the way, tonight, 9.30 p.m. Eastern, 6.30 p.m. Pacific, I will be on Sean Hannity's TV show on the Fox News Channel, and I hope you will join us. Again, 9.30 Eastern, 6.30 Pacific. Hannity and Levin. See you then. We'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post... Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. You know, uh, you know what I'm doing in part this weekend? I'm uh, going with to watch P.S. Runner. Ever heard of P.S. Runner, Mr. Producer? Famous P.S. Runner. P.S. Runner runs marathons, sometimes half marathons. Unbelievable. P.S. Runner runs further than I drive. Can you do that, Mr. Producer? It's incredible. I don't know how P.S. Runner does it. I don't know how marathon runners do it, quite frankly. Me. Only place I run to is the restaurant and back. That's it. I don't even run there, frankly. Mark, who's PS runner? Well, it's for me to know and you to find out. Let's get back to this. A little bit more, then I want to get into this Rubio proposal. I also want to talk about Mueller and the Manafort case. We'll get into that in the last hour. Back to this brilliant man, Isaiah Berlin. And uh, he wrote, and this is absolutely relevant to what's going on today, to having a, a, a context for what you see taking place. Because many times we'll say to ourselves, what's going on here? Why is this happening? Well, this explains a lot of it. He says, one belief more than any other 
is responsible for the slaughter of individuals on the altars of the great historic ideals, justice or progress, or the happiness of future generations, or the sacred mission or emancipation of a nation or race or class or even liberty itself, which demands the sacrifice of individuals for the freedom of society. This is the belief that somewhere in the past or in the future, in divine revelation or in the mind of an individual thinker, in the pronouncements of history or science, or in the simple heart of an uncorrupted good man, there is a final solution. You know who writes about a final solution? Hegel. Hegel is the granddaddy to Bernie Sanders' ideology. Who else spoke of a final solution? We allowed to mention Adolf Hitler? This ancient faith rests on the conviction that all the positive values in which men have believed must in the end be compatible and perhaps even entail one another. In other words, in other words, there must be a solitary viewpoint, a solitary mentality. That is the left, is it not? He says, but is this true? Is it a commonplace that neither political equality nor efficient organization nor social justice is compatible with more than a modicum of individual liberty and certainly not with unrestricted laissez-faire that justice and generosity, public and private loyalties, the demands of genius and the claims of society can conflict violently with each other? And is it no great way from that to the grand generalization that not all good things are compatible, still less all the ideals of mankind? In other words, he's saying it's ridiculous. Of course, there are fundamental beliefs and fundamental values of a society. But there's no reason everybody should act the same way, believe the same way, do everything the same way. And it is no great way from that to the generalization that not all good things are compatible, still less all the ideals of mankind. But somewhere, we shall be told, and in some way, it must be possible for all these values to live together. For unless this is so, the universe is not a cosmos, not a harmony. Unless this is so, conflicts of values may be an intrinsic, irremovable element in human life. To admit that the fulfillment of some of our ideals may in principle make the fulfillment of others impossible is to say that the notion of total human fulfillment is a formal contradiction, a metaphysical chimera. Stick with me, I'll explain it. For every rationalist metaphysician, from Plato, and I wrote about this in Ameritopia, to the last disciples of Hegel or Marx, and I wrote about them in Rediscovering Americanism, This abandonment of the notion of a final harmony in which all riddles are solved, all contradictions reconciled, is a piece of crude empiricism, abdication before brute facts, intolerable bankruptcy of reason before things as they are, failure to explain and to justify, to reduce everything to a system which reason indignantly rejects. Okay, he's rejecting Marxism, socialism. All the autocracies and their isms, which insist that only if we do this, and we do it this way, as a society, as a commune, can we reach the promised land. 
And he says all these philosophers and intellectuals with these systems, with these ideologies, the one way is the only way. It's the right way. That's where you wind up with a holocaust. That's where you wind up with genocide. That's where you wind up with Venezuela. Or what's happening in South Africa. What's happened in Zimbabwe. That's what, what you wind up with in Red China. And on and on and on. That's his point. And he's right, isn't he? But if we are not... Well, let me go on. He says here... But if we are not armed... With an a priori guarantee of the proposition that a total harmony of true values is somewhere to be found. You know, Marx talked about this. We would all eventually reach this, uh, this nirvana where we wouldn't need government. You could actually throw off government. And Lenin, soon after the uh, communist revolution, the Russian revolution, said Marx doesn't tell us how to do this. He tells us so much, but he doesn't tell us how to actually do it because it can't be done. Perhaps in some ideal realm, the characteristics of which we can in our finite state, not so much as conceive, we must fall back on the ordinary resources of empirical observation and ordinary human knowledge. In other words, we're human beings. We don't have a final solution. And they certainly give us no warrant for supposing that all good things, or all bad things for that matter, are reconcilable with each other. And he's attacking Hegel here too. The world that we encounter in ordinary experience is one in which we are faced with choices between ends equally ultimate and claims equally absolute. The realization of some of which must inevitably involve the sacrifice of others. In other words, you're making choices every day. There's no one exact answer for every human being. Indeed, it is because this is their situation that men place such immense value upon the freedom to choose. Freedom to choose. Remember Milton Friedman's great book, Free to Choose? For if they had assurance that in some perfect state, realizable by men on earth, no ends pursued by them would ever be in conflict. The necessity and agony of choice would disappear, and with it the central importance of the freedom to choose. Any method of bringing this final state nearer would then seem fully justified, no matter how much freedom was sacrificed to forward its advance. And therein is the explanation for massive genocide in the name of Marxism or communism or any of the rest of them. Now what does this have to do with anything? This defines progressivism. It defines Bernie Sanders. It defines the so-called democratic socialist movement within the Democrat Party. It defines Venezuela. It defines every tyranny. Even the tyranny from within. So in the first hour we talked about tyranny comes in many forms. It is manifested in many ways. It's given birth in many ways, including through little d democracy. Look at this. We voted these people in. And they're giving us health care. Look what they're doing. Now, all we need is more. Single-payer health care. Government-run health care. But what about the freedom to choose? Don't worry about it. We'll take care of it. You don't need freedom to choose. We'll choose for you. We've got it all figured out. What if you don't have it figured out? Well, then we'll figure out some more. 
Well, what if there's a number of individuals who suffer? Well, that's the price you pay for a more perfect society. So-called positive liberty. But the rest of us, individual liberty or negative liberty, we say, no, 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 no. The Constitution is what sits between us and tyranny, ladies and gentlemen. And it is the Constitution that the left despises. This is why they fight over these Supreme Court justices. They don't want a constitutionalist. I'm not saying a conservative or liberal, a constitutionalist. They don't want a constitutionalist. They want a status progressive. They want to use the courts to advance their agenda. They do exactly the same thing in Congress. They've built up this massive administrative state. You call it the swamp. It's this massive administrative state. So many departments, agencies, divisions, units, offices, we can't even list them all. With millions of people. Millions of people working. And we have no idea, really, effectively, what's going on. That's the permanent state. So no matter how many elections we hold, you know, the president's doing a magnificent job trying to roll back what Obama did. But we're always in a position of trying to roll back. We're always in a position of defense. We never advance the cause of liberty or individualism. Because I'm convinced that a large number of our fellow citizens, perhaps even a majority, believe that freedom is acquired through government. I believe the overwhelming number of people in the media believe this. So now we talk about family leave, freedom, Obamacare, and then single payer, freedom, free college, freedom. But that's not freedom. That's government. It's all government. That's not individual freedom. These individuals taking a knee during football uh, games, they're not promoting freedom or individualism. They're promoting government. They've been sucked into the idea that justice, that liberty, that success comes through Social justice. And what does that mean? Government. Government. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Don't forget, 9.30 p.m. Eastern, I'll be on uh, Hannity TV on the Fox News Channel. I hope you'll catch us 6.30 Pacific. Do a lot of great Levin TVs this week, too. I hope you'll check them out. Now, there's a proposal. I believe the, uh, the genesis of this was the Independent Women's Forum, I believe, by Senator Marco Rubio and Representative Ann Wagner, as you both know, both Republicans. Uh, they're introducing legislation this week. They claim to be, uh, according to National Review, to modernize our more than 80-year-old public pension system, Social Security, to make it more flexible and better able to meet the needs of today's workers. What does that mean? Well, let's see how this write-up goes, because this is a very positive write-up, very supportive. 
Uh, She writes, or he, in part, this is welcome news. Currently, workers are required to be paying Social Security's taxes on their first day on the job. And then, unless they become disabled, they aren't allowed to access any of those benefits until they reach the retirement age under the law, which is 67 for workers born after 1960, though people are allowed to retire as early as 62 when they begin to receive a monthly pension. The proposed reform recognizes that many workers need financial support earlier in their lives, more than they do in their 60s. The Rubio bill would allow a worker to access a portion of his or her Social Security benefits after the birth or the adoption of a child in exchange for delaying his or her eligibility for retirement benefits. Since many workers lack paid leave benefits on the job and have little savings accrued when having a child, this would help many who face a significant financial stress at a very important and vulnerable time. An estimated 17% of all workers, and half low-income workers, who lack paid leave and end up going on public assistance when they take time off from work, giving them access to early Social Security benefits, which they would then effectively pay back by trading one benefit for another, would reduce dependency on other government programs. I don't get the math here. In many respects, number one, there is no money in Social Security. The trust funds are empty. In fact, officially, two summers ago, the Social Security Disability Fund has no money, has no IOUs even. And then you have the general portion of Social Security, which is empty in 15 years. So that's number one. Number two, if people are taking their benefits out earlier, I don't understand. Let's say you've been employed for what? Let's say you're, you get out of college, you get your first job, you're 21 years old, you get married and you have a kid. And you're 22. How much have you paid into Social Security? Well, you can get a percentage of those benefits back. So that's de minimis. It's irrelevant. But where's the money coming from? If there is no money in the Social Security trust funds, it's coming from the general taxpayer. It's coming from the general operating funds. So the problem with this plan is it continues to expand upon what is now a ruse since the federal government stole all the money out of the Social Security trust funds. There's only IOUs there. But they tell you it's, uh, it's neutral. It's budget neutral. Of course it's not budget neutral. You're taking money out of a system that's been turned into a, a, uh, a disaster thanks to the federal government, and you're acting like it's there. It's not there. What else does this do? It prescribes any real possibility of building the political clout, which is hard enough, to truly reform these programs, Social Security and Medicare, before they go bust. Which means people under the age of 50, there needs to be a reform. People over the age of 50, 50 and over, they should get what they were told they were paying for. So they're grandfathered in. But if you're going to expand the benefits... Even if you don't expand the money, if you're going to expand the benefits, create another benefit within Social Security, even if you spend exactly the same amount, which you're not, because you're taking earlier dollars out, how are you going to reform it when more and more people become dependent upon it? Now, this is a not-so-clever effort to show that these politicians care about families. I have a better idea if you care about families. Slash government spending. Slash the size of government. Secure the border so young people can find jobs. Do what you're supposed to do under the Constitution. Do what you're supposed to do, which is rational common sense. 
You don't take a program that's 15 years from bankruptcy and then say, I have an idea. We'll create an additional benefit. But don't worry, it's budget neutral. The problem is you've created a political force against which you can never reform these programs. And besides, how many more people need to be on the dole? Well, it's not the dole. It's actually their money. No, it isn't. They barely paid anything into the system. I'm not buying it. I'll be right back. show with a warning label for liberals the mark levin show call him now at 877-381-3811 have you ever taken your car in for an oil change and the mechanic finds something wrong and surprise you're hit with a repair bill you didn't expect it's happened to all of us hasn't it well when you have an extended vehicle protection plan from car shield as i do you don't have to worry about those unexpected surprises Now, look, if your car breaks down after the manufacturer's warranty expires, you could be out of pocket thousands of dollars to get it fixed, right? Replacing your engine alone can cost thousands. Even a simple repair to a sensor can cost over $1,000. It doesn't take much. And there's nothing simple about today's cars. CarShield makes the process of fixing your car for a covered repair super easy. You can have your favorite mechanic or dealership do the work, It's your choice, and they're paid directly. They also provide you 24-7 roadside assistance and a rental car while yours is being fixed for free. Now, if your car has 5,000 to 150,000 miles, it doesn't mean you have to pay high repair bills. CarShield administrators have paid out close to $2 billion in claims, and they're ready to help you. And we have our CarShield protection on our 2010 Camaro. First year the Camaro came out, and I'm glad we did it's needed work. Anyway, save yourself thousands in future car repairs. Get covered by the ultimate in extended vehicle protection like we did. Call 800-CAR-6100. 800-CAR-6100. Mention code LEVIN. Or visit carshield.com. That's carshield.com. Use code LEVIN, L-E-V-I-N. Either way, you'll save 10%. That's a big deal. It's a good discount. That's carshield.com, code LEVIN, or call 800-CAR-6100, mention code LEVIN, a deductible may apply. Well, we've got so much more. Now, so I'm not attacking the the Rubio-Wagner plan from the left, that money will be drained out of Social Security. There is no money in Social Security. And the people who are receiving Social Security, they were ripped off. And it is very, very important that they receive the money and the benefit that was promised them. And they should be grandfathered in, everybody over 50. But everybody under 50, we're going to have to reform these programs. And uh, it's much more difficult to do that when all of a sudden everybody under 50 or many people under 50 are suddenly getting benefits out of Social Security like family leave payments and to say, well, don't worry about it. That just means, you you know, you'll have to take your payment when you're a senior three months later. There is no payment when you're a senior three months later when the system is broken 15 years. It's actually broke now. But even the IOUs are gone. So I'm not in favor of this. I don't believe in playing these games, these accounting games, these, uh, these uh, these book games. I just think it's another uh, political gimmick. I don't like it. 
It's another way that the government pays for something that that is not paid for. And it just highlights over and over again the problem here. Kirk, Norman, Oklahoma, the great KTOK, go. Hey, Mark, I just wanted to tell you thank you so much for taking my call, and it's nice to be able to speak with you again this evening. It's such a privilege. And uh, I just want to say thank you, Mark, uh, for what you do. I feel like I've been attending a lecture for the last hour and a half by my favorite conservative professor, and not only what you do on the radio, but also what you do on CRTV, because what you do on CRTV allows me to be able to sit down with my sons, they're young, and the graphics and the format that you have there is, is so much more informative for them because they, they can see it and visualize it rather than just hearing you on the radio. And I also wanted to share with you that my my wife, who tends to lean a little left, she uh, she renews my CRTV subscription every year for my birthday. And the only reason she said she does it, well, she said there's three reasons. One, obviously, she loves me. Two, she says because you love dogs. And the third reason is because she knows that you shoot it straight and you tell it like it is. So I just want to say thank you and uh, really appreciate what you do, sir. Well, I really, really appreciate that. That's very, very kind of you. I'll tell you what. Don't hang up. We're going to give you a copy of Rediscovering Americanism and the Tyranny of Progressivism. So don't, don't hang up. I appreciate that very much. And uh, what was I going to say? Yeah, we try to be a little different here. I'm just different. I am who I am. You know who said that? Popeye, I think, said that. Popeye. Bob, Bozeman, Montana, the great KMMS. Go. Hey, Mark, thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. I was just telling your uh, producer there, uh, I am one of the recipients of SSI, which you got through talking about here a few minutes ago. Oh, by the way, great uh, great enjoyment of your trip in Israel. Appreciated uh, you sharing that story. Now, wait a minute. Did you did you hear me broadcast from Israel a little over a year ago? Uh, portions of it. I heard it here and there. I, it, did you like it? Wife, did you hear the portions of it? I loved every syllable of it. I'm thinking to do that again next year. Do you think that would by be cool? Means, by all means, please do. I think it would be fantastic. All right. Thank you, Bob. Go ahead. Anyway, more to the point is I'm on SSI. I'm currently making less than $700 a month of my own mm-hmm. money. Yep. Uh, I started this about four years ago due to medical issues, uh, bad knees mm-hmm. and bad asthma. Yes, sir. Um, and I was absolutely furious. When they started me out four years ago, I was getting just under $1,600 a month of my money. Mm-hmm. Less than a year later, I get a notification from the Social Security Administration saying that there was some sort of an error uh, in, in All right. calculations. Of this nature. Next thing I know, I'm under 800 bucks a month. Did they ask you to pay anything back? I hope not. Yes, they did. Oh, good Lord. Yeah? Yeah. Um, I may sound a little sparse here. Give me just a minute. We're, we're getting a, a bit of a thunderstorm, so give me just a minute. Well, you're in Montana, baby. That's that's rough territory out there. I love it. He loves it. Oh, we didn't lose you, did we? Oh, no, no, no. I just had to close my back hatch. Uh, all right, I got one minute. Your back hatch, you're in the truck? All right, we got uh, one yeah, minute. Go ahead. Well, like I said, it's, what really infuriated me was three and a half years ago when presumed GOP members absolutely eviscerated the uh, SSA fund, the SSI fund, by taking $4.7 trillion out of it, never promising to pay it back. Who took that out of there? Well, it, there was, there was, 
It was Democrats. Well, here's here's the bottom line. Uh, This system, if it's not going to be reformed, people are going to get zero out of this system. Now, just think about this, Bob. If you had taken all this money, how old are you, Bob? I'm uh, 58 in September. Okay, and you've been working since how old? Uh, Since... Honestly, since age 10. I, that's when okay. I had my first job as, as a paper boy. But you've been paying into Social Security since age, what, 16, 17? Uh, about 13, actually. 13, okay. Can you imagine if you had all that money and it was mostly in the stock market right now, what that money would be worth? I wouldn't be homeless as, as we are now. You'd be doing extraordinarily well. Uh, you'd be able to use your money as you wish. Uh, you would have access to all your money. It wouldn't be doled out a little here and a little there by the federal government. You wouldn't be dealing with the bureaucracy. It's just a damn shame, it really is, that we cannot seem to win the argument on freedom and capitalism. I can't win it here on the mic today when it comes to trade. I just can't win the argument because these other arguments, they're they're emotional. They get people's passions up. Uh, But... uh, you know, I, I I just think in a, a guy like you in your situation, I think about my parents, too, and they earned very modest incomes over the years. If they'd been able to put their money away uh, and invested in, in, in real estate or stock market over time, in other words, invested in America, they'd be very, very wealthy people right now. All right. I appreciate your call. I really do. Uh, thank you, Bob, out there in Montana. Where shall we go? Let's go to Damascus. No, not that Damascus. Maryland. Sue. WMAL, how are you? Hi, I'm great, Mark. Thank you for your wonderful show, all the research that you do every day to bring a great show to us. Thank I you. want to ask you two questions. The first one is, how come I'm always hearing, if we don't do something, we're going to run out of money for Social Security and Medicare, which are not entitlements, they are earned benefits, and how come I don't ever hear anyone saying, by a certain year, we're going to run out of welfare and food stamps. I'll tell I, you why. I'll tell you why. Because, as you say, you pay into Social Security, you pay into Medicare, right? Right. So that's a different accounting system than general spending. Food stamps, welfare, that's a yearly thing where that's voted up, voted down, expanded, not expanded. Social Security is supposed to be an earned benefit, right? You pay into it. It's not welfare. The problem is they took all the money out of it. That's the problem. Don't, yeah, don't blame me, Sue. I didn't do it. I, I think people who do that sort of thing ought to go to prison, whether it's a private pension plan or a public pension plan. And so what's happened is, and Roosevelt wrote about this, said, said this rather back in the 1930s, that he wanted to set up a system that would have the appearance of insurance. And for a period of time, it would be insurance. But over a period of time, these same leftists, and by the way, Republicans too, took the money. What happened to the highway trust fund, Sue? It's supposed to be a trust fund. You go to every damn time you put money in the uh, uh, gasoline in the tank, you're paying a percentage of that or an amount that goes into this highway trust fund. A couple of years ago, they said, we're out of money, no money in the highway trust fund. Well, where the hell did it go? There are no trust funds. All a bunch of, uh, all a bunch of posi- Ponzi's, these guys, quite frankly. And that's why I say over and over again, it must be reformed or it's not going to exist. And the way you reform it is you protect the people who can't do anything about it. It's, it's, 
it's not reasonable to expect people who are 50, 55, 60, who have most of their earnings behind them, to say, oh, guess what? We're changing the system. So they need to be grandfathered in. But younger people are not going to get these programs. They're just not going to get them. All right, Sue, thanks for your call. I don't want to turn this into a uh, Social Security seminar. It's too boring. But it is important. It's very important. If you want to read about it, I have it in Plunder and Deceit. I talk about it extensively. Okay. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. million Americans are reading in Primus for free every month. I hope you're one of them. It's the very best and largest digest of conservative thought, and it's published by our friends at Hillsdale College. You can receive it for free at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. In Primus is always outstanding. It's always free. It's part of Hillsdale's efforts to teach all Americans how to pursue truth and defend liberty. I think it's one of the most important publications of the country, and I read it every month. This month's edition is particularly powerful, featuring Vice President Mike Pence's message to Hillsdale's graduating class. It's a message that will teach you, challenge you, and inspire you. You need to read it. Start reading in Primus and learn how to defend liberty, starting with our current issue. Vice President Pence will help ground us in the teachings and traditions that are our greatest inheritance as Americans, the same teachings and traditions that are the surest foundation of a boundless American future. Visit levinforhillsdale.com and get your free subscription to Imprimus, no strings attached. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. And by the way, if you like my show, you're going to love Imprimus. Levinforhillsdale.com. Okay. How about Steve in Dallas, Texas, the great WBAP? Go. Hey, Mark, big fan of yours. Thanks for taking my call. Um, of course. Hey, I just, I just want to thank you for adding clarity to everything you say and sharing real information and facts with us. Because i got to tell you, this Mullen investigation, the only thing I've learned, however long it's been going on, for a year and a half, is that nothing happened that affected the election. And the media flat out insults us by the way they carry this on and say someone had a meeting, someone had a phone call. So what, man? We're not stupid. And I feel like the media, they're in collusion with Mueller. You know, they treat us like we're stupid, like we're idiots. Like we're well, just- we're gonna, we're gonna, I'm going to talk a little bit more about this in the next hour, but uh, let, me, let me address what you're saying here. Not a single thing that's taking place in this trial or all the time during this investigation relates to President Trump, his family, his businesses, or his campaign. And yet this is their marquee case. The case is actually being argued by an assistant United States attorney out of the Eastern District of Virginia. There was absolutely no reason for the special counsel, period. The special counsel is moving cases into the Southern District of New York involving Podesta, involving Vin Weber. I'm not saying they're guilty of anything. Uh, Greg Craig, you might remember him. Um, The uh, Obama Mr. Fix-It lawyer, the Clinton Mr. Fix-It lawyer, the Michael Cohen stuff's been moved to the Southern District of New York. That stuff in the Southern District in New York, Manaford in the Eastern District of Virginia. Then you have a few cases involving Russians who will never come to the United States, so that doesn't really matter. And, of course, they set up Mike Flynn. This is all the guy has. 
And so they are desperately seeking to interview the president for the purpose, for the purpose of entrapping him, for the purpose of being able to say in a report that he obstructed justice or for the purpose of being able to indict him, to have a constitutional conflagration that takes place, conflagration that takes place. And then, of course, um, uh, in order to affect the uh, future of our electoral process, this whole thing, this whole thing is unconscionable from beginning to end. And then you have two other investigations. The one that is dealing with the interference of the Obama administration in the last campaign, major cover-ups going on. It's like pulling teeth to get information. The Obama administration, the Hillary Clinton and DNC with the dossier, the FISA court, and on and on and on, the unmasking of American citizens, including Michael Flynn. And then the third one, Hillary Clinton, the Espionage Act, Hillary Clinton should be in prison. She's the one who ought to be in uh, isolation in a federal prison. She did a hell of a lot more to endanger this country than Manafort could have ever have done. I don't know how much money he stole, if he stole any money at all. Who knows? Right. Uh, anyway, uh, I just wanted to point that out. So you won't get any disagreement from me. Yeah, it just, it just, it just really ticks me off. You know, and, mm. and then I hear... I. I I read your biography on Wikipedia one time, and they made you out to be a conspiracy theorist. I, you know, these people are frauds. What they've put there is poisonous. Look at the discussion we just had about liberty. Look at the discussion we have about Locke and Montesquieu. Look at the discussions we have about the founders. Is any of that in Wikipedia? Any of it? No. Nothing. Not a word of it. Nothing at all. It's a joke. I would strongly discourage all of you and your kids and grandkids from using Wikipedia. Just pull up my site. Take a look. And no matter how many people have tried to fix it, they block them. They stop them. It's a propaganda site. It's like it might as well be run by Media Matters. Right. Yeah. And I, I got to tell you, I don't always understand the great thinkers you talk about, but it, it, I, I, I really want to try to learn, and it's difficult for me, but you add so much clarity to it because I've read two of your books, Ameritopia and uh, Liberty and Tyranny, and you talk about that kind of stuff, and it's a little over my head. I have to slow down. But I really appreciate that you take the time to research that stuff, and it's not just some flipping thing off the top of your head. It is, you know, some some deep-rooted stuff, and I appreciate that. Well, some of the things that bother me, and that's very kind of you, are people who write books just to sell books. They want them to be hot for the moment. I don't write books that way. They may they may cover topics that relate to what's going on in the modern day, as they do. But in every instance, I try to give them context. So people, look, what do we talk about here? How important history is? How important experience is? So why would I write a comic book, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. Anyways, I just appreciate everything you do, Mark. Thank you so much. I want to thank you, Steve. I appreciate it. I don't think I can give these other callers uh, much time. How much time do I have, Rich? Yeah, 45 seconds is not enough time. I do want to remind you, I will be on Hannity tonight. 9.30 9.30 p.m. Uh, Eastern, 6.30 p.m. Pacific. Oh, by the way, I'll be on Fox and Friends tomorrow, too. I don't know what time. Uh, and um, I think we're talking about another show. I don't remember. And by the way, don't forget Sunday, 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 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. We have a great life, liberty, and Levin. You ever watch the show Pawn Stars on the History Channel? Rick Harrison, smart as can be successful businessman we talk about that we talk about his philosophy we talk about everything you won't want to miss that on sunday i'll be back he's here he's here now
now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Ladies and gentlemen, I know this may interest only some of you. I do know it. But I feel it should interest most of us. I feel it should when we look around the world and see what's going on here. As you know, I've been very critical of the New York Times. I pointed out time and again how it failed to cover the Holocaust. Now, even if you're not Jewish, or even if you're young and you're not sure what the Holocaust is, uh, the fact that the New York Times, was well aware of what the Holocaust, the Holocaust was at the time it was taking place and took extraordinary steps to push it to the back pages. Really is something that no media outlet should ever be able to recover from. None. And the irony is some of the loudest voices attacking the president come from the pages of the New York Times. But, you know, whether it's Christians being slaughtered in the Sudan by Muslims, whether it's Muslims being slaughtered by Muslims, whether it is Kurds being slaughtered by uh, Iranians and the Turk government, these are things that I feel are very, very important to raise. Very important to raise. We have in Britain a labor party much like our Democrat Party. They call themselves Democratic Socialists, too. Our Democrat Party is shoulder-to-shoulder, quite frankly. The leadership of the Labour Party is anti-Semitic in Britain. Jeremy Corbyn, the leader of the Labour Party, has praise the release of Hamas terrorists referring to the 1,000 men as brothers he questioned the case against them now this interview took place on Iranian press TV channel 2012 the second shows this is a news report I'm reading from the Daily Mail the second shows him comparing those in Gaza to the siege of Leningrad by the Nazis The anti-Semitism in the Labor Party is rampant. It's rampant. And he's not the only one. He's the leader of the Labor Party. In our own country, I know it's uncomfortable. But nonetheless, in our own country, this force, if you will, is growing within the party that's the Democrat Party. It's growing within the Democrat Party, and it's growing in the hard left of the Democrat Party. It's becoming ingrained. You have this 28-year-old, Alexandra, uh, whatever her name is. You have her, uh, Ocasio-Cortez, and she's into it. She doesn't know exactly why, but she's into it. 
because Bernie Sanders is into it. There is this growing movement on our college campuses. And quite frankly, a lot of it has to do with immigration from the Middle East. Nobody wants to talk about it. I'll talk about it. On our college campuses. Attacking free speech. Attacking, uh, well, anybody. We have things going on now at Temple University, my alma mater. Where they are praising uh, the equivalent of mass murders. And we fund all this stuff. We fund all these universities and all these colleges. So this is taking place. So I just wanted to note this. And you'll recall that when Hamas, just a few months ago, was unloading and attacking the Israelis, Hamas, a terrorist organization recognized as such by the United States government, our media came to their defense. Our media came to their defense. And Hamas did it in order to get our media to come to its defense. CNN, one of the worst. MSNBC, too. New York Times. Washington Post. Pretty incredible. Now, I believe Hamas is violent. I believe they're violent. This is why when the left says to us, or the media says to us, that you and I, or the president, is promoting violence, somebody's going to get hurt, they never look in the mirror at the positions they're advocating for, the individuals, the groups they're advocating for, the ideology that they're advocating for. So I just wanted to point this out. Because honestly, if I don't point it out, nobody else will. Another important issue that's not getting enough attention. This is from Breitbart. Top U.S. general warns China pulling ahead on artificial intelligence research. That caught my attention. U.S. Air Force Lieutenant General Verlin Dash Jameson, Deputy Chief of Staff for Intelligence, Surveillance, and Renaissance for the Air Staff at the Pentagon, warned last week that China is pulling ahead of the United States in artificial intelligence research. Perhaps more ominously, she said China has more concrete plans than any other adversary for actually using AI, artificial intelligence, to control its population, enhance its military power, and conduct espionage against other nations. The general told an Air Force Association breakfast last Thursday that China spent an estimated $12 billion on artificial intelligence alone in 2017, while the U.S. spent $7.4 billion on all emerging technologies combined. Among the projects China has funded are city-spanning span uh, artificial intelligence surveillance networks capable of monitoring every citizen's movements with cameras and facial recognition software. So the Iron Fist is really unbelievable over there. It's got brass knuckles. The Chinese are also working on using artificial intelligence to process battlefield intelligence faster than human commanders can, which opens the door to what military technology experts call hyperwar. Human soldiers and smart weapons coordinated by artificial intelligence 
attacking and reacting faster than any fighting force in human history, with the attendant danger of conflict spiraling out of control as human decision makers prove unable to keep up. China has claimed it already has rudimentary hyperwar assets, such as bombers that can be flown by artificial intelligence. Lieutenant General Jameson's remarks focused on the importance of developing human and machine systems that can process intelligence, surveillance, and reconnaissance data at high speeds without pushing human decision makers out of the loop. Eight years of Obama has done enormous damage to our national security, to our military, to our R&D, and related matters. It really has done enormous damage to our capabilities. And China is on the move. We talk about Russia. We should talk about Russia, but even more. Russia is a dying country with nuclear weapons, so it's dangerous. China is an expanding country with one and a half billion people, which has stolen enough of our know-how, our intelligence, our products, continues to do so, that it is moving very, very quickly. It's on our heels in terms of military power. Now, it's too bad that this isn't a repeated story in the media, but it's not. We've had more Stormy Daniels, more media reporting on the media than we've had on this, which also shows you why the media are a joke. We'll be right back. Much let us go to well i don't know where she's from where's benita from sirius satellite how are you benita mexico well congratulations it is a wonderful place i bet so mark First time caller, every other time it was busy. But uh, the one, my mission and my voice and what I've been trying to get across to people is until we can talk civilly to each other, we will never be a nation again. And that is what is frustrating me more than anything. And I think you also, that there is no conversation across the aisle anymore. It's just hatred and even friends of mine, they have no facts to back up what they say. And that is what really probably bothers me more let, than let me, let me tell you something, because your typical host will say, you know, uh, the, the, the Rodney King, it's both sides, and both sides, the, I hear this, it's not both sides. Uh, the, uh, the left is nasty, prudish, uh, vile at times. Look at their comics. Look at their late night hosts. We don't control the culture. They control the culture. What we're, prob- what we're trying to do is be left alone, be honest citizens. We pay our taxes. We cast our vote. We like Donald Trump president, and we're under attack. Yep. He's under attack. We're under attack. We're called names. He's called names. What has he done that's so horrific? Even if I don't agree with him on trade, what the hell has he done that's just so over the top, so horrific that he deserves to be treated this way? What has he done? He's done absolutely nothing, and as far as I'm concerned, except for the tweets, he's actually been a very good gentleman, and, um, you know, everybody that has a one-on-one with him, even Kim Kardashian came out saying that she felt heard, and yet nobody wants to go be heard. 
and they don't want to have a conversation. And there's no facts behind what they say, like you say. They, 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 they unleash investigation after investigation. The man's just elected president. A remarkable thing for a man who's never run for public office, a man who was written off. He's elected president of the United States. Rather than celebrating, giving the guy a chance, immediately a criminal investigation, immediately congressional investigations, immediately a thousand reporters in his face. We see this. We're not a joke. We understand what's going on here. They want to take the guy out. They want to change the outcome of the election. They wanted Hillary. They wanted another term of Barack Obama. They didn't get it. And so this is what they're doing. Let's be honest with ourselves. That's exactly what they're doing. And, you know, um, I don't know. I just I would just love to see some ability to have conversations and what really they don't want it. Listen to me. Listen to me. Part of the status progressive mentality, this is what people don't understand. Conservatives, pseudo-conservatives, people out there, they don't understand. These people don't want conversations. These people want groupthink. They want to devour free speech. They want to impose their will. That's who they are. I don't understand why people don't understand it. And then listen to people like Pelosi and Waters. Nah, I never listen to them. First of all, Pelosi can't put seven words together. And Waters is an is a absolute nut job. So why waste your time? And meanwhile, look, the media, pre- they, these are leaders within the Democrat Party. The media love these people. The crazier, the more radical, the more they celebrate them. So can I tell you one quick story? Heard yes, Hillary ma'am. speak back when he, she was in the primary with Obama at the place that I was working. I thought I'll give her a chance. In the first two minutes of her speech, she couldn't even speak like uh, a good person that knows English. She had at least 20 ums, ahs, and uh in her speech. (laughs) In the first two minutes, a college graduate, a lawyer, uh, the wife of a governor, the wife of a president, a senator, and Mm -hmm. she can't even speak with the... Queen's la- the King's language or the English language? Much like Biden, but that didn't stop him from being vice president. I understand they're going to dust off Biden, 76 years old. He's thinking about running. What, what are we, nuts? First of all, he's an idiot. He's always been dumb as a doorknob uh, when he was a senator. Uh, he, was a, uh, he was a stand-up dummy standing next to Obama with the uh, fake teeth and the fake hair. With all due respect. And he's a nasty guy. People say, oh, we like... Uh, Lunch bucket Joe. Lunch bucket Joe, he never had a lunch bucket. He never had a real job. He went immediately to being elected to the Wilmington City Council. Then he's elected to the Senate when he's 29. He serves when he's 30. Vile man who tried to destroy Bob Bork, who tried to destroy Clarence Thomas and a half a dozen other people. People forget who the real Joe Biden is. All right, my friend, you got me going there. Thank you. Kate. Santa Clara, California, the great KSFO. Go. Mr. Levin, I am so yes. glad that I got you. I Thank listened you. to you uh, when I, in 2008, when I happened to watch C-SPAN, and you were interviewed by Brian Lamb. And yes. ever since then, I followed your your radios, um, and then I read your books. Uh, Sprite was my first book, and I read Men in Black, and then Liberty and Tyranny, and, and so forth. And I love listening to you. Thank you. Every day. Every and by the day. way, Brian Lamb and C-SPAN, thank goodness for them. 
That is, you know what? Don't don't leave me, Kate. C-SPAN is exactly what kind of operation is objective. There it is. It's a perfect example. And Brian Lamb is outstanding. Look at what he's created. It's just wonderful. I watch C-SPAN all the time. C-SPAN, one, two, three, almost as many C-SPANs as ESPNs. Anyway, go ahead. Anyway, I because I listen to you every day, yes. um, there was a, uh, last month there was a call, and you mentioned of a donut shop in Santa Clara. Right. Since I'm, I lived in Santa Clara, I looked it up, and I went to there, and you are right. Long lines. I had to wait, and uh, I, when my turn came, I said, first time in here, uh, and I heard about this store from on the radio. And the owner immediately, she said, is that Mark Levin? And I said, how did you know? And she said, well, he came here all the time when he lived here. When he lived here, he came it's here true. all the time. I so did. I wanted, so I mentioned, and then she did ask. She said, when? When was, the, when was that show? I have to uh, look, you know, find out. So right. I thought, oh, my gosh, I have to call you and to let you know that because I think Well, let me, let me just tell you, did you get a donut there? Yes, I did, and I love it. Is it unbelievable or not? Unbelievable, crunchy. I don't get any money from these folks. They're not related to me and so forth. I'm just telling you, when I used to live out there, which wasn't for that long of a period of time, uh, I would go there five days a week, and I would get their glazed donuts and their chocolate ice. It's just unbelievable. Yes, correct. I'm not not trying to plug it. I'm just telling you, it's the best donut. That's years and years ago, and I'm still thinking about it. What's that tell you? (laughs) Uh, and then the last thing I wanted to ask you, because I have a chance to uh, talk to you, is I got your book, Liberty and Tyranny, yes. and I would like to know if I can mail that in and have you sign. And then Well, if I do that, we'll get a million requests. Uh, but I have a better idea. Take this offline, Mr. Producer. But no, we're not going to do that for I can't. I can't possibly do it. But anyway, uh, we will talk to you, ma'am. We'll see what we can do. I'll be right back. Liberty's General Patton. Call into the Mark Levin Show now at 877-381-3811. Well, Mark, you vilify. Oh, I do more than that. I humiliate the left as best I can. Uh, I, folks, I'm not a reporter. I'm not a journalist. I don't want to be a reporter or a journalist. I don't want to be dishonest. I'm the most honest person there is about myself, about what I believe, how I say it behind a microphone. There's no games going on here. Well, I got you. Yeah, you vilify. Of course I do. Some I do, some I don't. I haven't signed up to be a journalist or reporter with anyone, and I never will, and I never could be. Any more that I could sign up to be a federal judge. I don't want to be a federal judge. I'm an advocate. I'm an advocate for liberty. I'm an advocate for constitutionalism. I'm an advocate against tyranny. I'm an advocate against progressivism. I don't hide it. I write about it. I speak it. Radio, TV, Internet. Oh, Mark, I mean, seriously. You know, I saw this article last week about how the air pollution in national parks is as bad as the top 20 major cities in the United States. I'm sure the left is going to blame this on Trump. But it has nothing to do with Trump. 
The reason, apparently, is because these parks are downwind of air pollution sources, agriculture, industry, major highways, urban areas, so forth. So basically, there's nowhere to run except inside. And we now know that indoor air quality is often worse than the outside air. This is why I go to filterby.com and keep a fresh set of filters in my home central air system and at the office. Filterby is America's leading provider of HVAC filters for homes and small businesses with over 600 sizes that ship for free within 24 hours. Plus, they're manufactured right here in America, and they're very high quality. And you might want to set up auto delivery so you're scheduled to get fresh filters over a period of time so you'll know immediately to swap out the dirty and put in the fresh filters. We do that here. Plus, they knock 5% off the order when you sign up. It is a deal, it's a great product, and it'll bring more health into your household. Save time, save money, breathe better with FilterBuy.com. That's FilterBuy.com, FilterBuy.com, and tell them Mark sent you. Now I'm hungry, I'm thinking of Stan's Donuts in Santa Clara. There's another place I want to mention. I get nothing out of this. I take free food from nothing. I take, for no, I take free from nobody. Sometimes I'll go to restaurants and really nice people will say to the waiter or the waitress or the host or whatever that they want to pay for me. And I'll say, no, but thank them. Thank them. I pay my own way, even, and I do appreciate it. But I tell you things I come across. They're unique, and there aren't a lot of them. A few places I really like. And I probably shouldn't tell you because now there'll be a line to get into this place. There's a restaurant I really like in Florida. In Hope Sound, Florida, near Jupiter. And it's called Flash Beach. I love the place. And I shouldn't even tell you this. But uh, they have a whole menu there, but they customize whatever you want, which is what I really like. And the owners are absolutely wonderful people. But I enjoy it enormously. I, I shouldn't even say I eat there all the time. Now people will hang out. Anyway, if you live around there, what else can I tell you? Should I do a restaurant show, Mr. Producer? I think I should do a restaurant show or a food show. God knows I know about food. I told you my favorite donut place. That's in California. I told you my favorite restaurant. That one's in Florida. I got to figure out some more favorites I'll tell you about. So Stan's Donuts. Santa Clara, California, no question. Flash Beach Restaurant, Hope Sound, Florida, absolutely no question. For me, my favorite restaurant. Now, what else? What other kind of food is there? I don't know. I could talk about Chinese food, Mexican. Maybe I'll do that down the road. Dina, Boca Raton, Florida, on the Mark Levin app. Go. Hey, this is so exciting. Thank it you. is like an awesome opportunity to be able to speak with you, Mark. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> I am a preschool teacher here, um, and I, I wanted to really. There were three things I could I could talk to you about a hundred about a, a hundred different things, but I'm just narrowing it down. Yeah, I wanted to um, tell you that you one of the last things you mentioned when you were talking about Hamas and the left. <clears throat> you said that they never, the, the left never look at themselves in the mirror. And mm-hmm. I just wanted to tell you that um, Hamas and the and terrorist organizations in general use that as a tactic. They actually accuse their enemy 
of doing what they are doing. Mm-hmm. It's it's a strategy. But why do our media so frequently embrace it? Yes. They really they really do. Every time Hamas provokes a a serious um uh, military uh, conflict, uh our media led by CNN uh start trashing the Israelis and the IDF. Yeah. They call Israel the perpetrator. They call And by the way, much like they do the United States, by the way. I beg your pardon? Much like they do our own country, the United States. The media do the same thing. That's what I'm saying. They're doing the same thing. It's the same tactic. But I want to tell you, Mark, my father, who should rest in peace, served in the Second World War Mm -hmm. in the Asian arena. He was actually um, stationed in Okinawa. And I have his pictures. He was actually um, an interpreter of... Aerial photographs. Right. And when I hear what's going on now, I think that if my father were here, he would be so... Upset? I I don't even know the word. Well, I will tell you the word, because my father's here. He's 93. He's a vet, too. And we talk almost every night. And he's very upset. He's very frustrated about what he sees. And he tells me, every time I see him, I go down and see him and my mother. He says, why don't they get the hell off this man's back and let him be president? He hasn't done anything wrong. He's trying to help the country. And he's right. And I, I feel like I'm living through a science fiction movie. Mm. And if you decide to go into food, I'll yeah. listen to you on that, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's that in sports. You never know. All right. Appreciate it, Dina. You take care of yourself. Jim Joplin, Missouri, Sirius Satellite, go. Hello. Um, thank you for taking my call. Um, just want to let you know on your Holocaust blurb uh, back a while that uh, kids are being. Uh, just to be clear, the New York Times, the Holocaust denying New York Times, had pushed the Holocaust to the back pages. That is a fact. It's been written about extensively. It is a disgrace. Uh, much like slavery in this country was a disgrace, but somehow the New York Times is able to pass over that, the paper of record. That's a joke. Go right ahead. They're taking it out of schools. Um, They're taking what out of schools? uh, Teaching about the Holocaust, the bad times, bad times really in World War II, but uh, if you don't study history, you will repeat it. And uh, Now, are you telling me they're taking it out of school in... uh, Missouri? In their classrooms, yeah. In yeah. Missouri, in Ohio. My daughter went in Ohio to school. And mm-hmm. uh, the teacher, history teacher, denied that uh, there were concentration camps, that there was a Holocaust, that Jews were... They hissed, wait a minute, is this a public school? Yes. Yes. And uh, if you're... If your child doesn't come home and tell you what went on in class, mm-hmm. parents don't even know. Mm-hmm. We heard now, that. Is, is this your own daughter's experience? Yes. We heard that from our daughter. And uh, my wife had a uh, history book that had lots of pictures uh, from all of that. And she took it in, showed the classmates. How long ago was this? 
five or seven years ago. Mm-hmm. Now, did you say, I'm sorry, Missouri or Ohio? She was in Ohio at the time. Okay. All right, Jim, I, I appreciate that information. You know, we really don't even know what's going on in these schools, do we? It's a thing that's always bothered me. You know, when I was a very young man, I've told you this story, I was elected to my local school board. I was still in law school. I was uh, elected right after I turned 19 years old, just to turn 20, and served on our local school board where we had lived most of our lives outside of Philadelphia. And really, I didn't know what was going on in the classrooms until I was on that school board. The parents, for the most part, are kept out of schools. If you're a parent, just ask for one day. I would like to walk the school. I would like to see what's being taught. I would like to go to the assembly. I would like to. You will see what a pariah you are and how difficult it is to do that. These uh, these local monopolies, these school systems, some are better than others. Don't get me wrong. Some are more uh, transparent, responsive than others. But they are these like little little cloistered enclaves. And uh, except when it comes to budget time and they tell you that if you don't increase their budget by 8%, double digits, 6% or whatever it is, you know, they'll have to close down this class or give up that issue or whatever it is. But accountability is almost non-existent because the unions are unaccountable. And the parents, what they try to do to uh, mollify the parents is they create these PTOs and PTAs, which do some very good things. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but they try and uh, mollify the parents by having these organizations and then co-opting them. I know I'm upsetting a lot of people. I don't really care. I know. I lived with this. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. You know, it's amazing, ladies and gentlemen. At the end of this program, I will be sprinting out of the Levin Radio Bunker and heading over to the Levin TV Bunker, which we call the Ronald Reagan Studio. And I will have to be prepared to be on the air on the Fox News Channel on Hannity in 40 minutes at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And I hope you'll join us. I'm going to send a secret message to all my radio listeners. You're going to want to, you're going to want to watch. Maybe I'll blink Morse code. What do you think about that, Mr. Producer? Of course, if I were Nancy Pelosi, I would never blink, so nobody would get a message. So if I blink twice during the course of the segment, you'll know I'm identifying you and saying hello. How about that one? Now, here we go again. This time, turns out, listen to this, that an identity protection company that I'm sure you've heard about hasn't been so careful in protecting the email addresses of their customers, and many were compromised. Now, please hear me on this. The only identity company that I trust to protect me and my family is my ID Care. We need to take this seriously. If you have credit cards, do online banking, or even use email, you are vulnerable. I don't worry because I switched my identity protection to the guys who've been protecting Fortune 500 companies for years. My ID Care. You can get their stellar protection too at myidcare.com/mark. You'll also get 15% off. 
Just enter promo code Mark. That's myidcare.com slash Mark, promo code Mark. I'm proud to partner with MyIDCare. They take great care of their customers and our data. And they cover us for the nine types of identity theft. For less than 10 bucks a month, MyIDCare can even help if you're already a victim. If you're already a victim. Learn more and then let MyIDCare take care of you and your family. That's MyIDCare.com slash Mark. Enter promo code Mark and get 15% off. Anthony, Chicago, Illinois, Sirius Satellite, go. Mark Levin, it is an honor to talk to you. I'm so excited. Thank you, sir. I just wanted to tell you, I was born and raised a Muslim, a Shiite Muslim. I come from Iran. Yes, sir. And and I want to tell you what you described regarding uh, what they do to basically to children like myself to these rallies, they brainwash you to hate and absolutely hate. I grew up hating the Jewish people. Right. I tell you, today I love the Jewish people. I've been to Israel a number of times, and I love it. I love the country. Education is what we need. And I'll tell mm-hmm. you, a number of years ago, and I was driving late, I, I, I'm in sales, and I found you. And I want to tell you, sir, it's been an honor just to listen to you. I have all your books. I subscribe to CRTV. I cannot get enough of your knowledge. I am truly blessed to be in this country. And I was about 15 years old when I came here. And I'll tell you, there is not a better place. Now, there are beautiful places to go visit. Don't get me wrong. But to be able to speak, to be able to say whatever you want. Mm -hmm. I never had that opportunity as I grew up. I had the opportunity to come to this country. I've learned all about the founders, and through your books, all your books. I even love your father's books. Thank that you. That book about crossing the Delaware is a wonderful yep. book. I read it to my kids. And I tell my children all the time that I raised them just to be Americans, and I truly want to thank you. And I'm so glad I got through. It's just oh. an honor to talk to you. One of these days, I would love to meet you, and I'm so grateful. Thank you for all you do. Well, let me just say this. You're very, very kind. I'm going to be, uh, let's see, what what can we do for you? How about a signed copy, Mr. Producer? Do we have Liberty and Tyranny left? All right, let's give, let's give Anthony a copy of that. Thank you so much, Anthony. God bless you. You made my day. You made my week. I appreciate it very much. Let's continue. Mike, Alabot, Texas, the great WBAP, Go. Hey, Levin, you handed in Limbaugh. Y'all are the true patriots, man. Thank you, sir. My question is, with this Democrat socialism, Yeah, I'm in with it, but I want an unfettered Second Amendment because I hate seeing these people in Venezuela throwing rocks at the government. You know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. If those people were armed, they can get their country back. This uh, socialism, ask them about the Second Amendment, how they feel about the Second Amendment. Oh, they don't like it. Well, when uh, things go bad like they always do, you gotta hold you gotta hold people responsible. You know what I'm saying? All right, sir, I do appreciate your call. Uh, let us go to Guilford, Valdosta, Georgia. Do I have that right? WVGA, go. Yes, sir. Uh, Guilford from Valdosta. Hey, yes, Mark. Sir. Listen, God bless your dad. Uh, my dad was a veteran of World War II. He was in the 82nd Airborne. Wow. And uh, Barbara in Orlando, and I used to shine shoes in the shop, you know, and sweep up and all that. And uh, all my friends, uh, 
parents were in in the war, and they brought back all these souvenirs, mm-hmm. tons of stuff from Germany. And mm-hmm. I asked my dad one time, I said, Dad, why didn't you bring back anything? The only thing you brought back was some paper money, you know, from all the countries he'd been in, and a Moroccan wallet. And he sat there, and he, he thought for a minute, he said, well, son, he said, that's not the reason I went. Hmm. And I thought, well, he's a bigger hero than I ever thought he was. <laughs> he's quite right. And, yeah. uh, but listen, I, I, did, I, I didn't think I'd get through, so I had to say this. Uh, I have to give a shout-out to Sink to CNN Bismarck, Sarah Sanders. Uh, what, a, what, a, what a strong and admirable uh, woman. She is spectacular. She is spectacular. I watch her every day. She's putting up with the worst press corps in my lifetime. And uh, she's a real pro. And she's sharp as can be, don't you think? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I, well, listen, I'll tell you what. Uh, the boys down here in South Georgia have all, have all said that uh, we'd like to teach Mr. Costed some uh, South Georgia manners. All right. Be nice now, Guilford. I got to go, brother. Thank you for your call. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. 30 minutes from now, Fox News Channel. Hannity, don't miss it. I'll be there just for you. And I'll see you tomorrow. God bless.